It's about ensuring the gains in the first place. So you can't retain gains if you don't make gains. And a huge part of like teacher training and teacher learning is how do you make sure the kids actually learned the thing that you just taught them? So we're not even talking about they know it four months from now. We're talking about they know it right now or an hour from now. And one of the things Get More Math did for me is it gave me just this wonderful, immediate, real-time wave of data, which I could then surf as the teacher. Welcome to the Get More Math podcast, where we support teachers in their quest for long-term student gains. This is a podcast for teachers to share their passion for math education, learn best practices from experts in the field, and swap ideas for student success. This is community. This is Get More Math. Well, hello. Welcome to the Get More Math podcast. Our special guest today is me. I am the guest. We thought it would be fun for me to get an opportunity to tell you my story and sort of my thinking about, in particular, this whole Get More Math journey that I've been on. So we need somebody else to ask the questions. So we brought in Erica Martin. She's my colleague and friend from Get More Math. She's our director of training. And I'm going to turn it over to her. Erica, take it away. Thanks, Josh. I'm so excited to do this. Um, so the story of Josh Britton, where do we begin? Okay, we can't go all the way back to like diapers. Uh, so let's fast forward. Let's think about Josh Britton. He's, I don't know, 18. You're graduating high school. I feel like you could have studied a million things. How did you even decide math teacher, math education? Tell me a little bit about that first. Okay, sure. I, I certainly did not uh, at 18 have any uh, ambition to be a math teacher. In fact, uh, shout out to English teachers. I thought maybe I'd be an English teacher or a writer. So when I went to college, that was the first thing on my mind. Uh, went to a couple classes. at uh, I went to Haverford College and very much became dissuaded rapidly. Uh, but I, so I ended up getting a bachelor's in history at Haverford College, uh, which I had no actual practical purpose for. So I got out of school and I'm sort of like, okay, now I need to do stuff for money. Um, I worked at various jobs, all kinds of stuff, and thought maybe I would end up being a lawyer or something. But then I actually worked for a law firm for a while. Didn't suit me either. Uh, it wasn't until I really started working with kids a bunch, like in kind of extracurriculars and at my church, that I realized I like teenagers. I like spending time with them uh, and I like helping them. And that's when I decided to become a teacher and then it was just a matter of getting credentials and choosing a subject. And, you know, as I looked at all the different possible subjects, I really was interested in Spanish. I was interested in um, English, maybe social studies, maybe math. I finally, I, I landed on math because that's the thing I knew the least about. So I thought it would be more fun to go back to school for math than for the other things. Okay. So you love writing and history and teenagers and math. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So. You get your first job. Let's go in. Year one. You've got this super unique background. You've already done some other things. You love teenagers. You want to help them. Is it everything you thought it would be? I want to dial the clock back a little bit. I remember when I started going back to school so that I could get math credentials. You know, I had to get like a post-baccalaureate kind of thing, a bunch of 50, 60 credits. And uh, I still remember driving to school the first day, driving to this teacher college back when we did education in person and uh, just having this 
I, I, I very rarely have intense emotional experiences, but I had an intense emotional drive to that school. It's intense remembering it, whatever, how many, what is this, 28 years later? Sure. Uh, the whole time I was like, I want to work with kids who have, have, have had a horrible experience in education. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to work with kids who are downtrodden, kids who are in, in dire straits. I want to make a difference in the hardest cases possible. Sure. So my, and and uh, my first year, uh, happily, in, in my thinking, I got a, a job at a school district that gave me a full schedule of oh, the wow. hardest luck cases possible. It was one of those schools. It was Aberdeen, Maryland. And uh, their tradition was like the new guy gets all the really rough kids, the hard luck kids, the kids who failed fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grades. And that was my first year. And so uh, to your question now, was it what I expected? I expected to be working with really challenging and difficult kids and to see kids, to help kids turn it around. And that's what happened. It didn't happen sort of vastly, like there's lots of kids uh, that ended up not doing well or moving on. It was a very highly transitional school. So you'd have a kid for a few weeks, you'd start getting to know them, you'd support them, they'd start to learn, and then they'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week, you get three more kids who'd missed the first month and a half. And that was the constant flow of kids coming and going was probably the thing I least expected and had the most trouble with because okay. my strategy was all about relationship. Yeah. Um, and that was just so tumultuous. But there were kids that I had for a long enough period of time to build enough of a relationship that they actually started to respond. They started to learn. They liked learning. And so it was sweet, if also um, uh, perennially kind of frustrating as, as I kept having to kind of stutter uh, and lose kids. No, I think teachers can relate to that. You know, most of us get into this field to make a difference. And then there is that frustration that it's not as easy as you thought it would be. You know, really making that difference, sometimes it's, it's an uphill battle. So how long were you at that district before you moved to Lancaster? Just one year. Okay. And I, I taught uh, largely sort of a it was like a pre-pre-algebra, sort of like taking kids who really hadn't learned any math for a lot of years and uh -huh. trying to give them the, the very core items in algebra. When I talk about, like, it's funny, normally when I talk about my first years of teaching, I'm thinking about my second job when I actually yeah. started teaching algebra, which is sort of my bread and butter then for the next 20 years. Um, so this was like a little precursor to my main storyline. Okay. But it was, it was probably the the year that I was most deeply invested. Like, like I, I gave more of my, you know, whatever it was, 25 year old self, I had more to give sure. and I gave more than I think I've ever given, you know, because um, it was so raw. I had so few resources, so many needy kids. It was wonderful and very, very hard to leave actually. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, how was Lancaster different other than the subject? Well, so so I, I taught that first year in Aberdeen. It was a, a long drive from my home, but it's where I got a job. Uh, and right. then for my next year, my second year of teaching, I got a job fairly close to home. So that was a huge benefit and it, it paid better, significantly better. So I put those two things together and left this school that I'd come to, to deeply love. And I, I got I to say, while it still had difficult kids, still had needy kids, the overall demographic was... Um, one where there's a lot of kids who are kind of a lot more stable. They didn't have nearly as much like kids coming and kids going. So at the first school I was at, the kids I was working with represented kind of the broad slice of their like 
community and the educational challenges that that place had been in. Whereas at the next school is that I still got the hard luck cases, but there weren't as many, uh, broadly speaking. So sure. there's a lot more stability. Uh, behavior wasn't as, as much of um, a challenge. But kids were still kids, and sure. math was still math. And uh, there were still lots of needy kids to work with. So I was still able to pursue what I cared about the most, which is kind of the, the extra needy kids. So here you are. You want to help the extra needy kids. And at some point, you get the idea for Get More Math. Tell me about this. I, th- I think I would have been teaching then probably six or seven years and uh, really been banging my head against the whole issue of long-term retention. You know, I going that you talk about surprises going into the profession. I had not a thought in my head regarding long-term retention. Like that, that wasn't even a like, remote consideration and, and really hadn't been in my, like, what do you call it? Teacher training. You go to school. I went to right. this Millersville university uh-huh. and, we didn't talk about long-term retention at all. We talked short-term. all about short-term retention, making sure kids are learning the content and all that, but we, we never did that. So I had learned the hard way over my first years of teaching that uh, without deeply addressing long-term retention, my kids weren't really carrying much from one year to the next. And that was really frustrating. Uh-huh. So for years, I'd been trying all kinds of things. I mean, you name it, just this huge vast experiment in how to make that better. One day, <laughs> I found myself starting a school year, I think it was seventh or eighth year, where we had, we'd kind of been running out of space in our building. So they moved me into a computer lab and said, use that as your classroom. And that's, that was a frustration to me because like the desks were tiny and there was no teaching space. And there's all these computers taking up space around the rim of the room. Uh-huh. And uh, that very first day of that class, I did an exercise I love doing where I have kids do a little reflection. How did last year go for you? Um, what are your goals for this year? Is there anything you want to change? And Erica, I remember this moment, like this distinct moment. I'm walking around the room and I'm thinking to myself as they write, I'm thinking, well, what, what do I want to do differently? What do I want to change? I'm kind of doing my own reflection. And there was a moment where all of a sudden, like all those years of frustration with long-term attention, all those attempts that I made, sort of coalesced into the idea for get more math, like a literal moment, like one moment, the idea was not in my head. And the next moment, it was in my head. It, it was wonderful. It's, it's, I've never had like an epiphany before or after. Sure. People talk about that word, that word gets thrown around. Like I've, I've actually had one and it's right. so fun. This huge yeah. idea goes, pow. And I, I have to think that it was all kind of forming, but not quite connected. But all of a sudden, like the the power got plugged in and the, the thing jumped to full electric life and it was wonderful. So now you have this epiphany, you have this idea in your head. Is, is it related to a computer program? Or are you thinking, oh, I'm going to have to code this thing? Or is it, no, it's just the concept. And then you just happen to notice you're in a lab with computers. No, yeah, it's the whole thing. Like all the pieces were kind of there and they suddenly all connected. So it was sort of like, it was sort of like a, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm in a room full of computers and like, I sort of know how to program. And like, I have an idea for a program all kind of happened at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I laugh, Josh, because it's, it's like almost unbelievable. You know, like the <laughs> fact that you're the history guy that loved English, that happens to love teenagers and decides he wants to teach math because he doesn't know much about it. And then he ends up in a computer lab has this epiphany and thinks, well, I sort of kind of know how to code. I'll just build myself. Yeah. Like, 
if I didn't know that it actually happened, I might not believe you, <laughs> but I do because I used the app and, and, uh, you know, and, and it did happen. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's an amazing story. So, so then what happens? You like leave and you go home and you're at the dinner table and you say like, huh, I think I'm going to just build myself this thing. Tell me, keep going. Well, I, I mean, I see it's, it's a little fuzzy. This is 16 years ago. Uh, sure. But um, I just went into sort of obsessive overdrive, which is my MO, really. At that time, I did know some computer programming. I'd, done, I'd actually taught a computer programming class, uh, which does not mean you're a computer programmer, by the way. Um, right. But I, I knew enough to be decent as a programmer. The kinds of things I wanted to achieve all of a sudden were way, way, way beyond my skill set. So I started pushing my skill set, you know, reading books and staying up late and coding and coding and coding just so I could get a prototype in front of the kids. And so I'd say within a month or so, I had the very first, um, you know, little tiny version of Get More Math. Like that, that's, that's 15 years and 11 months ago, right? So that was the first month of work. And, and I and now we have been working on that since then. But that's, that's the beginning. Okay, so as a as a GMM groupie here, can you tell me what that first version looked like? What what do you remember? Sure. Oh, absolutely. How can I forget? So so let, let's just start with the, like what the student sees because that's all there was. There was nothing that the teacher saw. Um, there was no teacher app uh, that that you could see. Like it was all kind of geek stuff and text files. You know, like I understood it, but it was really. I mean literally absolutely impossible for anyone else to know the teacher parts because um, there's a bunch of text files on my machine. But anyway, the student experience was they would log in and they would see a math problem. I mean, that's all they would see. No like points or, you know, uh, nothing else, just a math no problem. Colored squares. Yeah. Oh, colored squares came years and years and years and years later. So they see a math problem and when they got it wrong, it would still just sit there. And when they finally got it right, they'd see another math problem. And and there was no like practice sets and mixed review. It was always mixed review. Sure. And the algorithm that shows what they should work on was very, very, very simplistic. Like, so, yeah. you know, that's, I think about algorithms a lot, right? That's a thing I like. Uh -huh. And that algorithm I remember because I was just like, ah, take a first stab. So it would always be, they'd see a problem that was um, represented the thing they haven't done for the longest period of time. Okay. And then they'd see a problem that represented the thing that they had the worst percentage on. And it would just go back and forth between that. Okay. Well, that's funny because that's to some degree like the basic level of understanding of what the now very complicated algorithm is. That's still to, to most of our GMM teachers, that's what we think. Oh, Get More Math picks out the problems the kids really need to practice because they're not good at it or the stuff that's getting really old. Um, yeah. Yep. So it's interesting that that was your most basic, um, you know, beginning stage and then you just tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it, which is cool to hear. Right. So you start out with this very basic version. You know, I, I find this app in 2016 and it's anything but basic. It's got so many pieces to it. Do you remember the first major new piece that you built to it as you were growing that you were like, wow, I think I need this thing? I, I sort of do. My main focus at first was all about the student experience. So I wanted the students to experience this as a positive thing. Uh, this was, for them, this was completely off the charts. They're sitting at a computer doing math. You know, this was uh, 
a, a good number of years ago, and it was not the expectation. So I wanted to amp the 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 friendliness of the experience and the energy of the experience, which I already it, like. It's fun. You don't get that now. Like it was already mind blowing to them that they didn't have to open their textbook, you know. Sure. Um, but anyway, so I started writing things that made made it fun for them. So I wrote games uh, for them. I wrote messaging. So it used to be kids could send messages back and forth to each other. We had to turn that off when we kind of went big because that's all kinds of security issues there. But back when it was just me and my kids, it made perfect sense. I, oh, I wrote a feature. So like if you get a problem right, like there would be like an animation sort of. Oh. Um, right, right now, you know how smileys fall down the screen? Uh-huh. That's a, a, a distant grandchild of the original way more um, multi-featured. Like, like uh, for example, one t- sometimes if they get it right, the screen would sort of crack down the middle and then rip open. And, sure. this, and this message would shoot up to the front saying, great. Yeah. Or I made it. Uh, here's a mistake I made. Uh, my principal graciously allowed me to take a picture of him frowning with his arms crossed. Okay. And it, so if you got a problem wrong, his picture would flash up. Um, can, can you guess what what kids then did? Uh, got them wrong on purpose just to get they, that? They loved that picture. Yeah, so they, sure. would, they would, they would it, it incentivize getting problems wrong. <laughs> so I turned that feature off. Like so many things I've done that didn't work the way I expected. That was one of my early backfires. We would like to invite all of our listeners to visit our website at GetMoreMath.com, where you'll find helpful information about how Get More Math can help you transform the math education experience through targeted mastery and cyclical review. We welcome you to take advantage of our free trial for the 2021 school year. Find more information about the free trial at GetMoreMath.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, Josh, so you have the epiphany. Um, you start building Get More Math. It goes through its early stages. Your intent is long-term retention for your kids. Tell me what it looks like or how you notice that it's working. How do you know? Well, it, there's. I'd say there's stages. Uh, it began with just student engagement. So I benefited from the fact that at that time, most kids really hadn't used computers in their educational process. So it kind of blew their minds that they got to set aside their textbooks and go log into a machine and be sitting next to their friend, maybe chatting about something. I would play some music and they'd be cranking through math problems on my system. Um, So student engagement started going up. Uh So just because of that, uh, student early gains and long-term retention were both impacted. You know, if students are more, if they're happier, they work harder, they do more and they make more gains. Sure. So that was early. And that's really, that was my emphasis early on. I was really thinking about how do I get kids to buy in, to work hard. I'm thinking back to my early days with Get More Math and the engagement. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was times 10, but it was because the kids had to fix their mistakes. And they, mm-hmm. that was never the case in my old practice. And so I'm wondering, you're sort of saying, oh, they were they were engaged because they were excited about the computers and sitting with their friends and the music. Uh, I'm wondering, how did your kids react to this concept that when the problem was wrong, you know, correcting it and identifying the error was important and now required? Was did you get pushback there? Well, n- not that I recall. I think I think kids really liked learning the material. So uh, fixing their mistakes, getting a new one, and getting it right was. Uh, uh, you know, I, this, my favorite adjective for that is intoxicating. Just, just, it went to the head, you know, they would just, they got excited. 
Um, it, it was motivating to be able to um, exercise their brains sure. and prove to themselves and to others that they understood. So they, the, the more they did, the harder they would work because it was so gratifying uh-huh. to be able to get the immediate feedback. That's uh-huh. a huge part of it. And demonstrate that they were making gains. Kids like that. Kids, Especially kids who have a history of failure and difficulty. Boy, they start learning and they learn that they can learn and they get excited. Sure. Yeah, they build some confidence. So, so it was a lot of it was about the student mentality, student focus, student energy. What, what people kind of always hope to see uh, is sort of a, a, a neat data package. Well, you know, before I had these results and after I had those results, uh-huh. those first few years, I, I never had anything like that. It was more, um, you know, I taught long enough that I kind of knew what to expect, what kids could attain, what I'd seen kids attain. Certainly, you know, year on year, I'd give final exams. So while I, while I had uh, some ways of gathering data, mostly, I'm going to say anecdotally, I I just kind of, this is weird to say, but I saw long-term uh-huh. retention. It's, it, was, it was obvious to me. You know, I would be teaching a, me- uh, a lesson four or five months into the year that required a whole bunch of prerequisites. Like, boy, the thing I taught two months in or three months in, they better know that, or I'm going to have to reteach those things in order to succeed with this new thing. Oh, I always hated that. Sure. Well, that was kind of gone. I would get to the thing five months in, I'd say, well, we all know how to do this two month in thing. And they're like, yeah, we do. Right. Like, like it was, it was in place. So I was able to, uh, it actually accelerated what I could do. I could do more and do it better because I didn't have to keep reteaching over and over again. Right. So that's, that's probably where I saw the, the, the most sort of striking change in terms of year on year, what was different uh, about what was happening in my classroom. At that time, we didn't really have the big standardized tests at the end right. of the year for, for right. a course that we do now in Pennsylvania. So, so it was largely just from you know anecdotal observation, I saw a lot of change. No, I, I can relate to that too. I don't know if you remember the voicemail that I sent you. I have on. it. Yeah. I still have it. I love it. It it wasn't a test score. It it, it wasn't a standardized test. It was a student who had a a big, scary systems of equations problem on his screen. And I walked over immediately ready to help. And he turned to me and he said, no, 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 no. I got this. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I taught that three weeks ago. And he just told me, I got this. And and it's cool because as a teacher, sometimes that means much more than a test score. That's cool. That's cool. Absolutely. Okay. So you build it, you see it working in your classroom and, and it just keeps growing and growing. When does it start to reach out to other teachers or how? So we, we almost have to do a little bit of a time warp. There's like a decade there uh-huh. where I'm just using it on my own, absolutely focused on the kids in front of me and improving their experience, their gains day to day to day. Um, somewhere in there, I started having co-teachers. Okay. Like that really wasn't a thing earlier in, in my career. Like I go back, right? Yeah. <laughs> Having co-teachers. So that was, that was the first chance I had for other teachers to sometimes be involved in my thinking about what, what should happen in the classroom and uh, how to use Get More Math as a tool. And then, uh, you know, pretty soon another math teacher in my department wanted to use it. Um, I guess we started having more computers available. So it was practical. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd say by the end of 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, most of the teachers at my school were using the system. And at that time I was just running, like it, it was only available at my school. It's not like you could log in the internet and use get more math. 
the way I had built it, it only actually ran sort of inside of our system. Uh-huh. At some point, I decided, I think I've done something that's big enough and, and worthy enough to try to put it in other people's hands. And so then it was a huge sort of technology push. I, I actually took a semester off from teaching and just devoted myself you know, 24-7 to making it sort of worldwide accessible. Back in the day, we used to talk about WWW. <laughs> anyway, and then, um, so then I had it so that teachers at other schools could try to use my system. Uh-huh. And uh, at first, nothing happened. Like, I didn't, I didn't actually tell. I, I, I made it possible. <laughs> but then uh, it was a long time before, um, I don't know, a teacher heard about it somehow. So their friend told their friend. She came and, and spent some time with me. Then she was like, hey we want to use this at my school. And around then I thought, okay, I'm going to start a little company and share, get more math in a bigger way. That's cool. Now I wonder though, because I feel like get more math at its core is about building long-term retention. And that is done primarily through the mixed review. And we know we also provide focused practice. So as these other teachers are using it, and it's just you, you don't have a training department or a training team, are they sort of falling in line with, with you know, your thoughts on, on how it works and what's important? Or are they just sort of like running with it? Like, are they seeing the results as well? Do you, do you have any stories about their experiences initially? Sure. So the the very first school that started using it significantly, uh, gosh, I went out there a ton. I went out there and talked to the teachers, showed them how it worked, explained. Uh, I, I learned early on that that the vision is more important than the software. That's right. So you know, you could show people software, they could click on buttons and still not get it, sort of. So I would I went out there and I really I spent a lot of time with them. I think like four times I went out there. Uh, this was actually still. I didn't have like a company or anything. I was just myself, like after school, driving off to this other school, and and uh, it just took, it took a lot of um, work together so that they could catch the vision. But but they they loved it. It made a big difference for them. They yeah. still use it now, so that's kind of neat. That's awesome. So I, I want to ask a personal question. Your teacher by day, you've got to be coding all night. I'm assuming you're sleeping occasionally. Um, it's, it sounds like you're also the training department and you are providing on-site trainings here. How, how, tell me about those challenges. I, I know you're married. I know you have two children. That, that seems pretty incredible to me. I never really experienced it as a challenge until when I started really sharing it to schools outside of my own school. So the first 10 years, which was probably when I put in the most work, uh, just you know, hundreds of thousands of lines of code, kind of constantly improving and changing the system to 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 make it really work well. Right, a decade of of that work that was so much work, and yet I don't really remember it as tons and tons of work. I loved doing it. I was uh, it was fun. It was tons of fun. So for me, that was like it was so motivating to make a thing, change a thing, and then the next day see a bunch of kids happy about that. You know, I'd make this game and then they'd play the new game and be like, wow, this is great. So I would make another game. Right. Um, and just, uh, I did that just, it just cascaded. And, and for me, it was kind of after 10 years of that, it was really fun to sort of step back and look back and go, whoa, you know, uh, daily intense, obsessive efforts for 10 years. And I made something kind of big. 
but anyway, I, I, it wasn't at cost, I don't think. Uh, I was younger. I had strength, and, and I loved it. When I started reaching out to other schools, it started stretching me too thin. Uh, sure. I, I, I just couldn't, couldn't do, be all the things that, that I was supposed to be. And that's when I had to make a hard choice of like, look, I can't be a full-time teacher, a full-time dad, you know, uh, and everything else that life demands of you. And also be like traveling around, helping teachers, basically providing what we'd call now customer service. Although then it was just like, wow, I have more friends who sure. constantly, who constantly need to talk to me. And that's when I finally decided in 2016, I decided to start a company. And stop teaching. Well, I know I uh, speak for all of the Get More Math teachers out there when I say thank you for the endless hours of making a thing, using the thing, and then changing the thing. Because um, I hear that constantly from our teachers when they say, we can tell that a math teacher made this. Because you would. You would run into a circumstance in your classroom, and then you would go back and you would change the app to address it. Um, and and it's, it's funny, the little places that that shows itself throughout the app. So I'm so grateful that you were able to make it while in the classroom. I, I think it's part of the reason that, that it's so special. So it starts to sort of grow organically. You realize, hey, I, I don't think I can do it all. Um, you know, Get More Math becomes a company. Now you've got teachers thousands of them using the app across the country and sometimes outside of the country. Was that ever even in your wildest dreams? Like, you know, that the day that you have your epiphany, is, is that part of it or it's not something you ever even expected? So that, that's a really interesting question for me personally to consider. I know that when I had this epiphany, it was not about other people, other schools. It, it was only about the kids in that room at that moment. Oh. You know, I wasn't like, I'm going to transform how I teach. I was just thinking, I'm going to make a thing for these kids right here soon. (laughs) Um, And sometime after a few years, when I was still just flying along with rock fuel, just tinkering with this thing, pushing this thing, uh, I realized, wait, you know, at some point, other people could use it if I made, if I worked towards making it more accessible, et cetera. And uh, again, there's, I, I can remember a specific moment in time, and you know me, Eric, I have a horrible memory, but Certain things stand out. Uh, this, this happened in my kitchen. Uh, my wife and I were talking about the thing I was making. And I, I was telling her, like, I think I've made something that's, that's possibly valuable to other teachers. And, and, and I kind of, I'm facing this question, do I want to keep pushing with those people in mind and try to build a company and try to get it out in front of people? Or do I want to just keep doing what I'm doing now, which I love doing, which is with passion, with energy, focusing every day on the kids in front of me and what would be best for those specific kids. Uh-huh. And uh, we, I remember we talked about this for hours and I finally landed on like the, the future holds, whatever the future holds, I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to think about companies and uh-huh. other teachers and other schools. I'm just going to do this for the kids that I have, the ki- these kids in front of me day after day, after day that, that I love. Because I found that absolutely motivating and very clarifying, right? Uh-huh. So what would help that particular student, right? I mean, there's stuff in Get More Math that's, that, that exists because one student's needs. That for me was compelling. That kept me going another, you know, probably eight years before I started widening the scope and thinking, okay, now I've made a thing 
big enough and and resilient enough that other people could use it. Before you became GMM Josh in all of the math classrooms that (laughs) knew you were the guy that built the thing that they were using. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Okay, Josh. So I keep imagining you standing in this computer lab with these 20 kids and you know, you stated that really the idea was about meeting their specific needs. Fast forward to 2020, we've got the needs of an entire nation of students who find themselves in a situation where they all have to participate in remote learning. It's it's almost crazy to think that now we have this app that you built for the sole purpose of having students retain they're learning over time. And I'm just imagining if I was back in the classroom this year, more than any, that would be my major concern. Mm. Any gains I can make, because we know this is a challenge, any gains I make, how do I ensure that they're not lost? And so it's it's funny because I think, wow, I know you certainly weren't building the app for the rest of the nation and you almost certainly weren't building it for a pandemic, but um, <laughs> it, it's almost fitting. Do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. And actually, your your question sort of helps me remember something I've, I failed to mention earlier that really matters to me. Um, you talked about how Get More Math is sort of about long-term attention and retaining gains. There's this other piece that I don't talk about a whole lot, but it's about, because I didn't intend for it, it just happened and it was wonderful. It's about ensuring the gains in the first place. So you can't retain gains if you don't make gains. Sure. And a huge part of like teacher training and teacher learning is how do you make sure the kids actually learned the thing that you just taught them? So we're not even talking about they know it four months from now. We're talking about they know it right now or an uh-huh. hour from now. Uh-huh. And one of the things Get More Math did for me is it gave me just this wonderful, immediate, real-time wave of data, which I could then surf as the teacher. So that I was finding out moment by moment whether the kids had learned what I just taught. And then uh, I could use it to ensure that like, I adjusted my practices because sometimes I made these discoveries. That was, you know, in those first years of getting more, get more math or using Get More Math, I had the uh, somewhat uh, disturbing experience from time to time of discovering the things that I was doing, my practices weren't as effective as I thought. Uh-huh. And they weren't making immediate gains, never mind long-term. So I, I, it sort of rolled back to my own practices and my own day-to-day uh, lessons and PowerPoints and activities and really was able to refine them uh, and accelerate my improvement as a teacher because I, uh, let me get back to, I knew now whether they were making the immediate gains. Sure. So I think that that, uh, that speaks into our moment now with kids, you know, scattered across your region, especially this fall, you won't even know many of them, especially uh-huh. if you're you know, new to the school or the kids are new to the school or you're a, a secondary teacher. So all of a sudden you're responsible for a ton of kids uh, that you've never even met. And let's not even think about the long-term attention. Let's just think about like, you're trying to make sure that on Tuesday, they learn how to solve a two-step equation. Uh-huh. You can't do a ticket out the door. You can't have them pick up dry erase boards. Like, how are you going to make sure that they made the immediate gains? And I think uh, Get More Math can provide that. And I'm, I'm really, it's delightful to me. Like, I did not make it, as you said, to help people in a pandemic. But um, I think that it could be a really a great help for folks who are trying to make sure 
that what they're doing, whether it's with videos or other websites or however they're delivering instruction content, they want to make sure the kids are getting it. Yeah. And then, and then there's this other piece, like, like over time as the weeks add up, how are you going to make sure that when they finally do come back in person in December, in January, whatever it is, all these hard won long distance gains, which probably won't be as much as you'd hope just because it's such a difficult environment, but, but they're going to be hard to win. How do you make sure they, they stay in place? How do you make sure that kids don't come to school in January and say, yeah, I really don't know any of that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, ah. And I think get more math can be of great assistance there too, because of the, the mixed review, because every, ideally every day, the kid is doing a session of prior content. So I think that that's another big win, but it's fun to me to think about how, what get more math can give teachers is knowledge, yeah. uh, insight, day to day, moment to moment, what's happening in each kid's brain. Yeah. And, and not only is that important in the classroom, but you're absolutely right. So many teachers right now, they're just trying things like this might be the, maybe they dappled with it in the spring, but you know, if they're trying to deliver their instruction in one method, how nice to sort of have data, to have, like you said, knowledge is power to say uh, that didn't work well. So now I know I need to shift and try something else because they are, we're just doing the best we can, but we don't Mm -hmm. have years and years of experience with this. And so, um, I know some of our listeners may not be familiar with the current status screen that I'm going to talk about, but that screen that gives you the live look at your students and what they're doing and are they getting those questions correctly? Oh, what I provided worked or no, they're not. Uh, It's funny at our trainings, we often say that screen is not just a reflection of how your students are doing or, you know, whether they understand the material, it's often a reflection of how effective your lesson was. If the whole screen, if all of your students are struggling in the moment, um, that tells you a lot. Sometimes you have to, you know, be strong enough to really reflect on your own practices. Um, But I think also during this time, that's more important than ever, because you're absolutely right. We don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Uh, so that's a great point. It's a great point that it's not just the mixed review and it's not just that brand new practice, but just that live dashboard alone is is going to be really helpful to lots of teachers uh, this year. It's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I, I think one of the most powerful aspects, one of the biggest strengths that I had as a teacher was reflection. Uh-huh. The ability to, day is over, kids have gone. Okay, how did that go? How do I want it to go next time? And sure. you know, you iterate every year. You you give it another shot. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that was painfully slow. I had to wait 365 days to teach that lesson again. But I would take copious notes and and I would I would learn from my mistakes. And a huge part of reflection is having data, like having yeah. information. And so, get more math wildly changed the data landscape for me. Made it much richer, much brought things out and, and really stark clarity and and. I experienced those days where like <laughs> my current status screen shows a whole bunch of kids were stuck on something I just taught. Uh-huh. I learned to experience those days as wonderful. Yeah. Like um, that's odd to say, but really it was, it was like, Oh my goodness. Like I understand way more about myself and my own practices than I ever did before. It's kind of a slap in the face. Right. But um, it was, it was a uh, bracing and, and, and focusing and helpful. 
I think too, teachers are going to be very um, careful about when to move on, or they should be, because again, we're not going to get that feedback from you know in classroom scenario anymore. So, um, you know, most teachers, you kind of know when it went well, didn't go well, I need to reteach that tomorrow. If they're at home working in a worksheet, you're going to have no idea whether you need to move on or not. And so, even even just that. Um, yep. When is it time to introduce new material? Yeah. Really, that data is so powerful on so many different levels um, that it's just, it's the timing is interesting. This is, nobody was expecting to be here, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad we have this and I'm glad we have the ability to, you know, help teachers with, you always use that analogy with the movie that I've never seen, Josh. I still haven't seen oh. it with the armor, um, but it really <laughs> is such a good analogy. I don't know if you want to share that here at the yeah. end, but teachers need armor right now. They need every tool they can get. Um, yeah, I think get more math can be really helpful. Well, I'll, I'll tell that story, but it, it dates me. Um, I've already <laughs> dated myself a whole bunch. So I, I see get more math. Um, I built get more math for myself as a, uh, something to amplify my power, to make me like so much, able to accomplish so much more faster, better, stronger. So my metaphor is this movie Aliens, where the lead character uh, is at the beginning a dock worker with this exoskeleton that she uses to move really heavy things. In the end, she's in space, she's in this big spaceship, and she straps on this exoskeleton. And because she has all this extra power, she can fight the big bad alien, right? <laughs> but my, my, my point with that metaphor is always uh, what, what I built was something to amplify my power. Like yeah. I still was the core operator. Like my brain, my thinking, my interacting with kids were still the, the most valuable asset, yeah. And then, and then I built the stuff to enhance myself, like to address my weaknesses. I can't pay attention moment by moment to 32 kids, specific data in this specific moment, but computers can do that kind of stuff. So sure. um, that's, that's why I tell that story. And then, I don't know, since we're closing, I just wanted to comment on what it's like for me to transition sort of into this point. Now there's thousands of kids across the nation, even across the world using our system and when I built it, I built it for the specific children right in my room. Uh, it's a lovely extension. You know, it's kind of fun to see how focusing for a decade on blessing, let's say by the time a decade had passed, you know, 1,000, 1,500 specific kids in specific ways has made it possible to have a thing that could bless millions of kids. Yeah. I, I, I just, I love that. That is a delight to me. Um, of course, now it takes a lot more people. Sure. Uh, as a, a big team of people to uh, support all of that. Uh -huh. But at core, the reason it works is because of my decade of specific interactions with people that I still remember, particular yeah. kids. Yep. That's really cool, Josh. Well, thanks. This was really fun. I, I, I invite me back again, please. We can, we'll have to think of another topic. Uh, I enjoyed this. It was fun to chat and I'm excited. I'm excited to sort of meet this challenge of the school year and, and see if we can't help these teachers um, get through what is bound to be a challenge. Um, but I, th I think we can do it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Erica. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Get More Math podcast. Drop us a comment and let us know what you thought about this episode. You can always connect with us at getmoremath.com. Have a great day.